We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? Yeah, there's some pep in the step on this Monday evening because um, it's about eight o'clock. So for the next uh, at least 49 hours, 40, 50 hours, I guess, because they're in Chicago. So the game starts at eight. Um, The Knicks are sitting here above 500 and I am enjoying the view. What a view it is, especially where we've been. Where we spent most of the season, it feels like down in the muck. Uh, right there in the muck with me the whole time. I think he likes it in the muck. I think it's where he's comfortable. <laughs> Jeremy Cohen. Love the muck. You know, it just consumes you at this point. Stuck in the muck. <laughs> Whatever experience. it is. Yeah. <laughs> Used to it. Uh, how you doing? Doing great. Yeah. Um, I'm still, I'll, I'll flex for a moment because I'm happy about it. But um, unlike the Knicks, they never win the lottery. Uh, I won a lottery and I got to go to the live taping of SNL this past weekend. Holy shit. It was really cool. It was the second time I've been. First time I went when I was like uh, 16, my dad won the lottery. And this time I won it and I brought him. So it was really cool. That is dope. Yeah. I'm yeah. ashamed to know. I don't, I don't know who the host was. So this week was... Steve Martin and Martin Short. Yeah, classic. And then the musical guest was Brandy Carlisle. It's pretty awesome. Okay. I th- yeah. I know Brandy Carlisle is a person who makes music for a living. Mm-hmm. Good music. Very good music. Okay. Even better. Yeah. Um, I would have gone fucking apeshit upon seeing Steve Martin and uh, Martin Short. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Um, they are awesome. That's really cool that you got to hey. do that. How are uh, you? Cool. What's yeah. that? How are you? I'm I'm okay. <laughs> I'm a, you know what? It's like I was just telling you before we started recording. It, it has been, it has been a few weeks, a few months. I don't know. It all runs together. It feels like any every person listening to this right now who has a child, probably between the ages of like six months old and I, I don't know, eighteen years old, um, has had to deal with like multiple illnesses and sicknesses of varying degrees basically since like the temperature dropped below 70 
Um, and it just, it just, it really, it just wrecks havoc on everything. And it like saps your will to get up out of bed at times, but we, but we trudge onward. And I gotta say for as much as like the Knicks were not helping things early on, they have been like, they've been, they really have put the pep in my step, um, over this last week. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm loving this. This is fun. This team is fun to watch. I am enjoying. I'm enjoying thinking about this team. I'm enjoying analyzing this team again. Um, it's nice when you dig into the numbers and the numbers don't like spit back at you when you look at them. That's fun. Uh, are, are you? Are, are we having a good time, Jeremy? What are your What are your thoughts on all this? We're having a great time, John, because you know you have really what's effectively an eight man rotation right now with Obi Toppin being hurt. Uh, so nine players when Toppin's healthy. Um, and you've got only one of them who's over the age of 26 years old. Yep. And pretty much all of them, except for one Jalen Brunson and Isaiah Hartenstein as well, were on this team. They were on the team last year. They are on the team this year. Yes, They were here. They were saying, we here. <laughs> and you know what? Tibbs is saying, we here, you bench. And that's that. And for a lot of them, that was the case for some, well, for some of them. But I, I guess the, it's just really nice to see a youth movement that's winning. And the reason I want to call attention to it is because of the fact that when you see players this young and then only like one older player in, in Randall, yeah. usually the team's losing. They're really bad. They're tanking. Oftentimes, yes. And I, I wouldn't have brought this up, but it was tweeted at me so many times that I felt like, all right, have to say something about it where a lot of people felt this isn't a full youth movement with Julius Randall still in the roster. And that's just not true. Yeah, it's just blatantly not true. Like if you look at the, like I look at the rockets and it's Eric Gordon's the old dude, right. Or the Pistons and it's Boyan Bogdanovich. He's the veteran in the locker room. It's, it's very hard to put together a winning team of young players. And you don't have to take the one guy who's 29 years old and take him off the team. Be like, well, now it's a youth movement. It's not how it works. You find a young team that's moving in the right direction. And I give credit from the top all the way to the down. Give credit to Tibbs, give credit to the front office, give credit to the players themselves. They are really doing what they need to do. The, the dirty work. I mean, if, if that if their turnaround moment was that Dabs, that that Dallas Mavs game as you talked about, so be it. It's great. And the worst part is that because the East is so jumbled, it's like a few games that you lose, you're on the outside looking in, and then everything's like, well, you know, it's awful because of the fact that it's it's just so tight and you're still too good to win. And then you win a few games, and it's like you're on top of the world. So that's the one unfortunate thing about all these teams being in the same range is that you know, margin of error of like two games can just either propel you so high or yes. so low. It's, it's a roller coaster. Yeah. Um, so I'm when things are going good, which it, they do seem to be going good right now. We should say that this is a three and a week for the Knicks. They beat the Hawks. Uh, then they beat the Hornets and then they beat the the Kings and in three games that really for all intents and purposes, weren't that close. I mean, the Hawks game, they won by 24. The Hornets hung around, give them credit for, uh, you know, two and a half quarters. And then the Knicks just like put their foot down and that was that. And then the Kings game, like, despite 
Jalen Brunson and, and Julius Randle both leaving the game under different circumstances. Like that game wasn't a game. I, I feel like a lot of people felt that they were going to actually blow. Um, and sure enough, they didn't, they, they took it home. I, I, I'm, I, I, I don't, I like, I hate getting caught up in the moment and then thinking about it a little bit more and then feeling like, well, this probably isn't real for reasons X, Y, and Z. And so there are two stats and I'm, I'm borrowing from Tuesday's newsletter because I wrote about both of them that, and I think Ian Bagley tweeted out one of these before. So one thing, the starting five, which I'm sure you've seen this one by now, this is, this marked 10 games that the starting five played together. Um, they've played together more minutes than anybody in the NBA over the last 10 games. In fact, as far as I could tell, they are the only five man unit um, that has played or uh, yeah, in all 10 of the last games, at least any significant number of minutes, their offensive rating over that time, just the starting five is better than the league's best offense. Their defensive rating over that time is better than the league's best defense. So safe to say the start and that's with the Dallas game. Right. Um, and then the other thing, and, and again, I was, astounded to see this and I tweeted out earlier today over those same 10 games they have the third best net rating in the league and the only teams that have better net ratings than them over that span of time are the Celtics who are the best team in the east and the best team in basketball and the Pelicans who are the best team in the west so like I I don't want to overreact and like you can give me all the caveats in the world yes the Kings are missing Fox and you know yes the Hawks um, you know Murray went down in the game and uh, you know, the Hornets are missing a billion people and like they had these close losses and like this that, and the other thing. I mean, the third best best net rating over a 10 game sample size, that's that feels significant, does it not? And like this starting lineup doing what they're doing, that feels significant to me. It does. And it should. There are no easy wins. And the if you get an easy win, that's great. But there are teams that lose those games and it's just like, wow, okay. You're supposed to beat those teams. But and then if you beat those teams in, the, right. in this time, they only played one tanking team and that's the Pistons who have been very feisty, but we should say. Yeah. And the Hornets. And the, sorry, Hornets. Yeah. I forgot about the Hornets. Yes. Yeah. But even still, look, you have to, you can only play the teams that are on your schedule. And if you, you're supposed to beat them, then you beat them. That's it. It's great that other teams are missing players. That seems to be a benefit for the Knicks. But then you look at a team like the Mavs, where all year they have been facing teams missing their best players and they've been losing those games. <laughs> yeah. And it's you just you have to take the wins when you can get them. And the Knicks are getting them right now. And that is really important because we know this front office wants to win. We know this head coach wants to win. We know the players want to win. So if it's all gelling together and they're finding a winning formula, that matters. It speaks volumes. And hopefully, you know. Other teams could be are probably going to say the same thing around the Knicks. It's like, well, they're missing Jalen Brunson. How could we potentially lose to them? That's, it happens. Hopefully, not for long. We, hopefully, we, not we, for long. As, as we're recording this but, right now, we have yeah. no update where where Jalen Brunson is concerned. Um, you are going to take the stage in a minute to talk a little bit of trade, um, and also you have a. a we're going to make the special announcement, right? Uh, at some point in, in the very near future on this podcast about what you're doing on Tuesday night. But before that, uh, Andrew being the needler, needless needler that he is, puts here in discussion, extend Tibbs, extend Leon Rose, extend Julius. I think despite this nice stretch of games, despite the four in a row, despite the fact that they have really, and you could 
you know, if you want to extend it back 14 games from the start of the West Coast trip, that's fine too. There's some really nice associated numbers associated with that sample size, which is more than half the season. Like, I think, I don't think any of this has changed anybody's opinion on any of those three players. Like, you could be enjoying Julius doing what he's doing. But if you felt three weeks ago that like the Knicks were probably better off trading Julius Randle, you probably still feel like the Knicks are better off trading Julius Randle. If you weren't in Tibbs' Tibbs's camp two, three, four weeks ago, you're probably still not in Tibbs' camp now to the point that you just made. Like all these guys were here. There's people all over Twitter. I see it saying like, this is more of a reason to fire him. Like he should have been doing this all the way around. I, I think there are perhaps other arguments that, deserve to be made, but God knows I've made them before. So I won't sit here and bore anybody, you know, and like same thing with Leon Rose, like, you know, look at where the team is, look at where they might be going, look at the impediments to get there. So I don't know if this changes that much about any of those things. I, I'm, do you, do you disagree strongly? I don't disagree strongly. I mean, well, the front office firing has never felt like a realistic scenario. For me, it's really just people being upset and then looking at the top and saying, well, everyone's got to go clean house. And that just never felt realistic. And then you look at Tibbs and he's doing what he's paid to do. He's paid to win games. That's the point. And, you know, I'm sure that there are fans who want Tibbs fired and they really want the Knicks to lose games because of the fact that that would accelerate the process. And I'm at the point where I want the Knicks to win games. I don't think Tom Thibodeau is the best option for the head coach moving forward, but I'm not of the mind where it's like fire him right now. If again, if they are doing what, if he's doing what they're supposed to be doing, there's not a strong reason to fire him at this point. And it's just Leon Rose's belief in Tom Thibodeau, rightly or wrongly. That's just, this is not a convenient time to fire tips. Can you, and then, can you fully blame him for having that belief? For not wanting to fire Tibbs? Yeah. For not wanting to fire him. Again, I sat here and I, I called for his head after the Dallas game. And since yeah. then they've they've been playing defense like their lives depend on it. So I think that's yep. the first coach of a job, right? Or the first coach of a first job of a coach uh is <laughs> is to get your guys out there and like looking like they're ready to play. He's doing that. And there's other things, you know, quibble with, but yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess from the Julius front, I mean, again, I I'm of the belief that the next iteration of a great Knicks team does Knicks team doesn't feature Julius Randall. I'm also not of the belief that you have to move him now in order to rush the process to get there. If you've got a great offer in hand, awesome. Pull the trigger. But I think the Knicks probably feel there's not someone who can play like he can in that role that we can get. That's better than that. Cause the one thing the Knicks don't really like to do is they don't like to get actively worse Midseason, they want nope. to upgrade. They want to stay neutral or get better. And when you see Julius Randle playing like he's been playing, you know, doing the type of move that's like, "Hey, Julius Randle to Phoenix for Crowder and Sharich and a first round pick," that doesn't help the Knicks in the interim. No. It actually hurts them. And it, if we're talking about a Phoenix pick that's like, I don't know, twenty third, it's just doesn't make sense. There's a time and a place. It's just not right now. And it's just amazing. I know Fred talked about this on the pod how it's hard for fans a lot of the times to kind of go through an NBA season compared to like baseball fans. And how many weeks ago was it where I felt like all I saw on my timeline was 
now we have to start attaching protected first round picks to RJ Barrett to move him. Yeah. And now RJ Barrett's had a really nice stretch of games and it's just, you have to just look at everything and try to evaluate from there and not go from a, a game by game or a, a three game to three game sample size. And granted, we're talking about, Hey, look at what the Knicks have done in the last 10 games. We can compare that with what was done before and we can yes. show why the changes are meaningful. It doesn't mean that this is you know, any more meaningful. Or that's any less me or whatever it is. Just that's what it was. This is what it is. Things are going the right way. How can we further improve from there? And beforehand, it was just things are not going well. What the hell can we do to improve? I think that's where it's a good transition to your you're taking the the uh, the baton here because I think I think we're at the point in the season where for one you said it best they're not going to get worse. Um, they well they're not getting intentionally worse. Yes. Could they make a trade where they end up getting worse? Uh, sure. It's always possible. Uh, I, I would be very surprised if they made a trade where that was even a, a real, like a realistic possibility. Um, so I think you are looking at trades where you're trying to clear up some of the glut as Fred Katz wrote in his um, trade piece at the end of last week. But as he also wrote in that same trade piece, uh, they do not strike me as a team that is going to make significant sacrifices either in the short or long term, long term to, to get rid of that glut. It's going to like, they're going to get rid of the glut on their terms. And I think, you know, hand in hand with that, they're going to see, is there a way that we can, responsibly improve the team and in a in a perfect world you use some of the glut to perhaps improve your team in some way can they do that i i i, I don't know i won't put against them but um on that note yeah I'll, t- I'll turn it over to you sure so for context this was not something we were the three of us planning on doing now <laughs> this was something that we had circled for maybe in a month you know next to early trades so let's let's get a little bit ahead of it but as of now, it's um, for a few players, it's kind of hitting a breaking point and we should probably talk about them. So on this pod, we're going to be talking about four players specifically. Uh, those players are in really no specific order, but maybe we could do it. Derek Rose, Evan Fournier, Cam Reddish, Emmanuel Quickly. It seems that at least two of them in some capacity are going to be moved. The question is who, what, where, why, when, you know, we'll go over all of that. But I felt the best thing to do would just be break down the four of them first one by one and then launch into some greater thoughts that I have and would love to get your thoughts on, John. I like it. Good? And, uh, yeah. And as you're launching into that, uh, I should remind everybody listening to this podcast, uh, which it is December 13th, as you are listening to this, um, December 15th is two days away. And that's as I'm sure you know, if you're listening to this, uh, that's the day when probably about what 20, 25% of the league can get traded, whereas they couldn't get traded beforehand. It's basically everybody who signed a contract this summer with some exceptions, um, which maybe we'll get into, but like Mitchell Robinson is one of those exceptions. Like he can't get traded until January 15th. And there are some of those other exceptions out there. But for the most part, um, it is the unofficial start of trade season, which is, I think, part of why we're doing this now. Exactly. So, um, before I launch into the PowerPoint, and as everyone who's listening knows, we're going to do everything we can to make it as audible as possible. You don't necessarily need to have the visual component. It might help if you want to look afterwards, but don't necessarily need it. How about we talk about Derek Rose first? I feel like that's kind of the easiest one to get out of the way. Don't, wouldn't you agree? 
I, I think that's fair. So I mean, with Derek Rose, again, it's like, you don't have to move him. If no. you can move him for the right deal, great. But you also have a team option that's really helpful where if you want to make an off-season trade using his effectively, well, officially expiring salary, you could guarantee his contract and move him. But if you don't have the right deal, you don't need to move him. You don't need to waive him. You don't need to buy him out. The, the team's happy with him there. Obviously, he wants to be playing, but he understands the role that he's in. So you don't need to force anything. Any disagreements on that one? No. Um, no, no, I have nothing, I have nothing to add. <laughs> okay, yeah. perfect. Easy enough. Next one, Evan Fournier. Now, Fournier has this not played an interesting one. in quite a while. Ideally, because he does have another guaranteed year on the books after this for a little over $18 million. Ideally, if you're the Knicks, you want to move him as soon as possible. Like you, you can wait it out. And as Fred even wrote in his article, and correct me if I'm wrong, the Knicks are not at the point where they feel they have to move off of Evan Fournier. And the, the check still clears. He's going to get paid. It's a matter of whether he's able to play or not. He's not disgruntled. He's been a consummate pro through all of this. I want to give him kudos to that. But the Knicks are not going to be in the point where they are in desperate need of moving Evan Fournier's salary. And so if they find the right deal, then that's perfect. What's the right deal? We'll get into that. But if they don't find it, he's still here. Something I was thinking about today, and it was specifically in the context of Fred's article that you mentioned, which is that, and you've we've we've discussed this on this pod before. Uh, moving Fen- Evan, Evan Fournier. Wow, I'm batting a thousand today. That wasn't a word. Uh, moving Evan Fournier's salary for as much as he is due, nearly 19 million dollars next year. It does not open up. Um, well, it actually doesn't open up any cap space because even if it does get you under the cap, it's not as much as the the mid level exception. So it's like the point of moving that salary on its face is is maybe not there. And and what I was thinking about today is like, is it if you have this giant matzo ball that's just sitting there, even if you're not confident, or even like even if you're like. Like you just don't think you're gonna like the money is gonna be a thing. Um, is it just nice to be rid of it because it does get you that much more flexibility should you need it? And I I don't know what the answer to that question is, but it is something I was thinking about today, and I wanted to run by you because I knew we were going to talk about this. It's kind of funny that you called Fevin Ornier a matzo ball because if we move, if you move the matzo ball for another player, is that does the matzo ball go into the continuous soup? Um, I don't know either. But yes, I agree with you. And, and we'll certainly go over that more. What's up, Knicks fans? With the bustling holiday season just around the corner, it's the perfect time to plan ahead with Factor, a ready-to-eat meal delivery. They shop, prep, cook, and deliver right to your door so you can enjoy chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals during the holidays minus the hassle. Plus, with 34 meals per week, including Gourmet Plus, Keto, Calorie Smart, Vegan and Veggie, and more than 36 weekly add-ons, you'll have plenty of nutritious, flavorful options to choose from. My holidays are jam-packed. Luckily, Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals make it easy to fuel up fast when I'm on the go. 
Plus, I save time with meals delivered ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. Factor now offers 34 meals per week and more than 36 add-on options, such as smoothies, juices, snacks, and so much more to keep me going no matter what I have going on. Also, Factor is cheaper than dining out. Put the money you save towards holiday fun and you time. And thanks to Factor's commitment to ingredients with integrity, you can enjoy flavorful, chef-crafted meals guilt-free. Need a special occasion meal? Gourmet Plus is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easy. When things get hectic during the holidays, Factor is flexible. Change your order up every week with plans from 4 to 18 meals per week or... Pause and reschedule your deliveries anytime. Even better, Factor's no prep, no mess meals save me so much time on planning and cleanup so I can enjoy the holidays without wasting hours in the kitchen. Not only does Factor offer fast, simple solutions when I get too busy to cook, they also help me stay on top of my goals. With offerings like Protein Plus and Keto, I can stay on track. This is definitely going to come in handy during the holidays. Knicks fans, Factor has everything you need for a week of flavorful, nutritious, eats. In addition to ready-to-eat meals, they have cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, extra protein, veggie sides, and more to keep you energized during frantic holiday times. Don't hesitate. Head to go.factor75.com slash filmschool60 and use promo code filmschool60 to get 60% off your first box. That's code filmschool60 at go.factor75.com slash filmschool60 to get 60% off your first box. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Knicks fans? Want to let you in on a little secret. Just because I live in the Big Apple doesn't mean I don't love following all the different NBA storylines. Can the Warriors win another one? Who's the MVP frontrunner? What's Frank Nilakina up to? Following these storylines and watching out-of-market games used to be a big pain because they don't always show the games I want in my area. But this season, I discovered an amazing trick that lets me watch every single NBA game live for a fraction of the normal cost. It's called ExpressVPN, and here's how it works. The NBA offers NBA League Pass, which 
lets you stream games online. But if you live in the U.S. or Canada, it doesn't let you watch all of them. Some games are blacked out. So what do you do? Fire up ExpressVPN and use it to change your location to a different country. Sign up and use NBA League Pass and boom, no blackouts. And depending on the country, NBA League Pass could cost less than 15 bucks for a whole year. ExpressVPN works on your computer, phone, router, and consoles like Fire TV, so you can watch all the games from any device. And even when I'm not watching hoops, I use ExpressVPN all the time for stuff like Netflix or Disney Plus to access thousands of extra shows that are only available on other countries' libraries. Enjoy all 1,230 games of the NBA season in HD with the world's most trusted VPN, ExpressVPN. Don't hesitate. Use this special link today and get three months free at expressvpn.com slash filmschool. Then you can use ExpressVPN to sign up for NBA League Pass at a huge discount. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S vpn.com slash filmschool for three months free. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about WinBet, the official sports book of Nick's Film School. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards on WinBet. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, the WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet 100, win 100. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. That's wynnbet.com to start winning. Download, bet, win. It's that simple. Now, I have to ask, do you feel that on this team, there is or there are untouchable players before we proceed? Uh, I, no, no, there's no, no. One, no, no one. Okay. So every player who's on the roster can afford to be moved in some capacity. In the right deal. Absolutely. Okay. I've got to ask on Friday with the Hornets pod. You stuck it to the front office. You excoriated them for the I idea did. of moving Emmanuel quickly. I did. So is there a reason why you felt that way and feel this way now? Has it been consistent? Where's your head at? 
My head is is as my it has not changed, which is that I think sitting here on whatever today is December twelfth, I can I can sit here and intellectually acknowledge reasons why the Knicks are in a spot where it could make sense to move Emmanuel quickly. I get that. It's something that teams do when they're they don't have their main pieces set. They gotta keep they they gotta keep the soup going. You've made this point before. Where I where I was very upset and where I still can't quite fully move past is that I, something to me you cannot say that you are functioning at peak capacity or anywhere close to peak capacity if you draft a player like him. He plays like he has, and you feel as a front office that you like you feel strongly that you need to move him. I, I don't need I don't know that I need to go into much more detail than that, because that seems to be at least some some of the sentiment if if I'm if the reports are true. And again, this is not this is Fred, this is Ian, uh, this is Shams reported, you know, had had Quickly's name in there. Like this where there's smoke, there's fire. And clearly there's a consideration of moving this guy from the front office's perspective. That's, that's really where my gripe is. It's not even, it's more from a philosophical point of view. Yeah. I just want to be clear as yeah. we're talking through it. So listen, I'm, a, I'm at the point where I'll preface this by saying, I don't want Emmanuel quickly to be traded. As I've mentioned before, I've got one Jersey. It's his, the one would be here a long time where I'm trying to find pushback in my mind. And it's like, it's the head and the heart for me because the heart wants him to stay and the head is thinking, well, let's spell it out. Right. I mean, every player has a cost and at a yeah. certain point soon, Emmanuel quickly is going to cost more money. And that's fine because if he's a good player, then he should be paid. That's just what's right. It's the opportunity cost. It's also the fact where you could extend him and then move him later, but do the Knicks need cap space? What is the deal with that? What's gonna, we'll, we'll get into that too. But the other thing that I struggle with is we talk about how good this front office is with drafting players, especially towards the end of the first round, beginning of the second round. And I'm not saying Emmanuel quickly is expendable and you can just find another Emmanuel quickly and it's super easy. But like when we talk about Deuce McBride and Quentin Grimes and the pairing together, and the fact that they're going to make under what, like $5 million this year and next year. And, and, the next and that they were both, that. and they, right. And they were found later in that range. It's frustrating because I want Emmanuel quickly to keep staying here. But I also know that the front office is good enough at their jobs from the drafting capacity that they could theoretically find someone who's not Emmanuel quickly, but find someone who brings something similar to the table for a fraction of the cost. Let, and my the last thing, and I'll turn it over. The frustrating part for me is if you know Emmanuel quickly is going to be dealt at a certain point, is it better to trade him on a rookie contract oh. than when he's making more money? No, that, that I know you're not disagreeing with that. It's more yeah. just as I'm just trying to speak it, speak it out loud and just communicate it where you can want Emmanuel quickly to stay for all the right reasons. But I also do, I struggle with the fact that the the other reasons that are there, the business side of it, and then I, Yes, like there are strong business reasons to keep him too. Mm. I think there's a compelling argument on the other side, and I'm loath to agree with it, but I just am. That's all real. And if you're going to trade quickly, trade him now, like trade or trade before February. You know, don't or, don't or before like on the draft night. Like it doesn't have to be. 
Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. The, before next season, for sure. Oh, yes. But I, I think there's actually logic to getting it done before in terms of if you want to maximize the, the return. And if I think we're in agreement, this team is not winning a championship this year. So like, if you're, if you're going to move them, like again, move, move them sooner rather than later, yeah. it's, it's more like, you know, and again, this is the heart talking, but it's also, it's not completely the heart because it feels like every year we we see teams re-sign guys that are good but not great players that they've drafted wherever they've drafted them. Oftentimes later in the second round, sometimes or later in the first round, sometimes in the second round for like good deals. And you're like, man, nice, nice. That's a nice number for them. You know, it's a it's a fair number. Sometimes maybe it's a little bit overpay for the team side. Sometimes maybe it's it feels like it's a little bit of an underpay on the player side. It it depends, but it just feels like if you're a good franchise and you nail a pick late in the first round, some and listen. Sometimes they turn those guys. Absolutely, it happens. But I feel like just as often, if not more, those are the guys that's like okay, they get them on a fair number. Uh, that both sides could be could live with, and that's just like what good teams do, and that's really more than anything. That's where it's coming from. It's coming from that place. Is that <laughs> is that uh, you know co- completely logical? It's not. I don't think it's illogical. There's logic. Yeah, but it, it's. But the, the, the difference I'd say is that it feels as though, like what you're saying, when you find someone that good at the end of the first round, 100. percent But the Knicks have also made a habit of. That's their bread and butter. I get it. Yeah. And so like, to me, it's like, oh, well, when you like the Grizzlies, well, the Grizzlies aren't a great example because they draft like gangbusters. They were the team I was thinking of. They, they, yeah, but they seem to resign these guys left and right. They do. And the benefit that they have is that they got John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. Second and fourth overall respectively. That's Knicks don't have that. And the Knicks are going to keep churning talent until they are able to find star superstar talent, which is a tough path. Not necessarily my proven choice, but there are still ways for them to do it and do it successfully. But that's the thing with quickly where it's just like, if you can find that type of player in that spot year after year after year, it just makes moving him easier. It doesn't make it easy. It doesn't mean that we should want it. It doesn't mean that I want it. It just means that it is easier to accomplish. Unfortunately. I will say this for as much as I don't like the idea of it, there this sort of conversation is very different today where you, you, a seventh man on a team is just going to make close to 15 million dollars probably depending on the sort of role that they play than it was probably even 5 years ago definitely 10 15 20 years ago like the notion that like you just draft a guy and if he's good you resign him because that's what you do if you want to be a good team like it's more it is more complicated now i do want to acknowledge that um but it doesn't make it any you know, less frustrating. Okay. Enough yeah. on quickly. Um, Last one. We, <laughs> You've already <laughs> forgotten about him. <laughs> oh, I forgot he's there. I know there. he's there. Uh, it's Cam Reddish, who has it been is. the hot topic for last week. Although, interestingly enough, since he's been moved out of the rotation, the Knicks have not lost a game. No. So, um, I can we talk about the whole the Knicks never gave Cam Reddish a chance discussion? Can I just give two really quick stats? Um, yes. And again, I, I stuck them in a footnote to tomorrow's newsletter because I, I 
I just I didn't have the heart um, to put him prominently. But Cam Reddish has been part of two prominent starting lineups for the Knicks this year, right? Um, one of them was with, or excuse me, one one prominent starting lineup that he played with a lot, the Hardenstein, and then the the three big guys, the, that starting lineup. And he was also a part of um, a five-man bench unit that got a lot of run. Um, him and at the time it was Rose topping quickly. And oddly enough, Hardenstein was also a part of those because that was when Mitch was starting. Anyway, um, those lineups in 118 minutes and 78 minutes, respectively, the starting lineup was with 118 were minus 7.7 per hundred possessions and minus 6.6 per hundred possessions. Now, I'm not saying that those lineups fail because Cam Reddish was in them. There were no shortage of reasons why those lineups were having issues at the time they were having issues, why the team was having issues at the time the team was having issues. It, I, I get all that. Um, you want to tell me Cam didn't play enough with Mitch? Well, when Cam was on the floor with Mitch this season, they've been giving up 120 uh, point something points per hundred possessions. Like, there's a lot of numbers there to say nothing of Cam's individual shooting numbers, which are, they're, they're okay. You know, they're, they're fine, I guess. Um, there, But there's a lot of data to support that, like, this is not a guy. If this was a rookie player that you just drafted with the 20-some-odd pick in the in the draft or, or at the, with the 10th pick in the draft, because that's where Cam was taken, right? Different conversation. That's not this. So I'll, uh, that's all I wanted to say before I... Go back to you for this. Well, I'll start off by saying I feel bad for Cam because so this is someone who's about to be on his third team in his fourth season. He's clearly someone who just wants to ball, as all these NBA players do, wants to have a home where he can feel wanted. And there was a point where he was wanted in Atlanta, and then he wasn't. And then the Knicks tried to get him, and they got him. And then it just hasn't really worked out. But this is kind of my head-scratching moment. So the Knicks acquired Cam Reddish three weeks or so before the deadline. He played in three of the 11 games that they played from the point of acquisition until the deadline. And I was fine with him not playing because of the fact that I was of the belief that the front office would clear the log jam enough where it would be fine. Same here. And then they didn't. And it felt like I had been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray in that moment, just because of the fact that it's like, all right, if you're not going to play Cam, I get it. He's in a crowded rotation, but you just traded this protected first round pick for him. And then he played, you know, it wasn't a ton, but he got rotation minutes. And then the Nets collapse happened and Kemba was out of the rotation entirely. And Nerlens Noel was, you know, done for the season pretty much anyway. And there was a spot for Cam and he was showing some signs. It's something to work with, of course. And he got hurt. He got hurt in Sacramento. And he missed 17 games of the season, the remaining 17 games. And he wasn't moved this summer because his value was probably at its lowest point. And then he comes in and he plays in the rotation this season. He's doing well. I think he was averaging 22, 23 minutes per game for, you know, the first, I think, 16, 17 games of, of the season. Um, and then he gets hurt. He, you know, injury with, I believe, his toe, misses three games. It's fine. Comes back. And then he's playing a little over 17 minutes, a little over 14 minutes. Then get to the Dallas game, plays a little over nine minutes. He's done. And since then, the Knicks have just shown a better job. I mean, it's the sort of thing where when Deuce McBride has more assists than Cam Reddish with over 300 fewer minutes played, it's a problem. Um, when Cam Reddish is in the first percentile 
in defensive rebounding, something the Knicks are really woeful at. They're better at now, but they were really woeful. It's a problem. And the Knicks knew ahead of time, listen, Cam Reddish is, he's not a good defensive rebounder. So I don't fault them. I, I don't fault Cam in the sense it was like they thought he was going to be something and he's suddenly dropped off. It's not that. It's just, there's a role for him. I just, I don't believe he is a, he's not a tips player. This was established. Nope. And the Knicks tried to use Cam as a leverage play to move off of Burks to, to send him to LA and Noel to get him to Toronto. There was that multi-team trade that they were trying to work out. And then it just, it fell apart and the Knicks couldn't move cam later. And so it's the sort of thing where I don't, this deal may not work out, right? It was, it was an attempt, tried to buy low on a, on a guy just may not have worked out. And I think that's really unfortunate, but I just, I've, I listened to and, and seen cam never got the shot, never got an opportunity. He did. There were, there were moments. I agree with that moment before the deadline that it was really hard for him in retrospect, but it's just unfortunate that he was hurt. It just, he had a role here. He just wasn't getting it done. He was doing better. It's great, but it just wasn't and hasn't been what the Knicks need. And that's just why I feel like there's an NBA player in there. There's a higher floor than when he got in the door. And that's really important. There might be a lower ceiling, but it, but the point is he's established. He can be a legitimate NBA wing. It's just not here. And I wish him nothing but the best. I hope he can find his footing wherever he goes. I'm very curious to see where it is and what the value is and all that. But um, he had the opportunities. It just, I hook or by crook. It just didn't really happen for him. What, what you just said, you nailed it. It's not what the Knicks need right now. You could quibble about the direction of the team. I'm not going to. Like I said, I'm enjoying this. I, I like when the Knicks are playing good basketball. Um, and for them to play good basketball, we see what they need. They need as many minutes as possible of guys who are going to go out there and play like it's the seventh game of the finals, which as much as Cam does some nice things defensively, that's not him. Um, he doesn't put that sort of pressure on an opposing team defensively. He just, it, you know, there's inconsistencies, there's mistakes for as much as he is rangy and long and, and can do some nice things on that end of the floor. It does. It just doesn't have the impact of a, a Deuce or a Grimes or even a Quickly. Um, I hate that I'm like putting Quickly in this like category below Grimes and Deuce because he's every bit as good of a defender as the other two guys, except he's just different. Um, anyway, I digress. So with Cam, I think if you and you know, bad job front office, bad job Tibbs. Everybody, it, it, there's blood on everybody's hands here. But if you're someone that feels like Cam Reddish has been aggrieved or this organization is woefully misevaluating or, 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 or um, botching the situation. I think you have to think that there is still stardom potentially in the cards for this player. And I just think that the evidence is that that is not the case. And if you are a Knicks team where they are right now and you have what I would deem the reasonable opinion that this is not a guy that's ever going to turn into a star player. Um, and you have to pay him. Well, that's yeah. And, yeah. and it, I can't imagine he's going to, you know, be up for a bargain, but that's my, well, even so, I mean, you could say like, well, just pay him and move him from there. But it like it, that's also kind of the issue. Then the Knicks are dealing with, on the other side, like, oh, well, there are other players that they've paid and then they move. So if you can move them now, you can find a taker, then go for it. And there's, you know, there's the fact of the Knicks have two first round picks, most likely in this upcoming draft. 
they'll probably have the mid-level exception. There are ways to replicate what he brings to the table. And so if if you feel that you're not going to get much from him, then that's fine. But it's good because he, I mean, he has a true shooting percentage that's five whole points higher than where it was when he was in Atlanta that that final year. So like again, there there are positives to take away. It's just they're overshadowed by what the Knicks need, and he's just not what they need. And and by the way, you could you could yell and scream about how the Knicks are idiots for what they're doing. If another team wanted Cam Reddish, they could they could have had him by now. The Knicks are not asking for a lot. I could I could promise you the Knicks are not asking for a lot. Yeah. Um, and that first round pick, by the way, that they traded. Yeah. I mean, look, hindsight's twenty twenty. At the time, the Hornets were in the play in. They had Lamelo Ball. They had Miles Bridges. Things were going well. They could take the next step. Now it's the sort of thing where is that pick going to even convey? Yeah, I don't know. And I'm I'm just sitting here right now thinking again, like you could talk about how the Knicks paid for something and it didn't pan out, and that's on the front office and that's on the coaching staff. And I agree with both of those points. But also if the Knicks are sitting here with a fake first that is likely to convey to two seconds and they could have moved it for someone at a certain point, you know, the the frustrating part for me is if Cam's presence was the reason why they may not have drafted a player because they felt cam would be blocking it. That's where it's like, that's annoying. I don't, but, but again, the, the Knicks I are still focused on, I don't either. They're focused on churning picks into future picks that they can trade for future stars and going from there. So I, I think if anything, the frustration lies in the fact that they trade the, the original sin trading the pick for the Hornets pick in the 20, uh, what was it? 2021 draft, but we don't have to go relive that. 